Welcome to Tech Talk. Bye. CDT. Welcome to CDT's Tech Talk, where we dish on tech and internet policy while also explaining what these policies mean to our daily lives. I'm Brian Wozolowski, and it's time to talk tech. In our last episode, we previewed the year ahead in tech and internet policy with a focus on the U.S., and in this episode, it's all about Europe. Many of the same issues are being debated on both sides of the Atlantic, but the policy approaches, courses of action, and public pressures are very different. CDT, of course, has a wonderful team in Brussels that is actively engaging on the full range of policy debates, including copyright, privacy, free expression, and much more. Jens Henrik Jepsen and Laura Blanco from that team in Brussels are our guests this week. Welcome, Jens and Laura. Thank you, Brian. Hi, Brian. Hello. They're on the phone, so apologies to our listeners. They're going to do the best to deal with with me on this one. So let me just kick it off in a broad way. Um, You know, what are the biggest challenges uh, of 2018? What are going to be the biggest debates happening uh, in Europe? Yeah, thanks, Brian. Uh, So we begin uh, with uh, uh, data protection and privacy, which is, of course, one of CDT's core areas of focus. And in Europe, uh, 2018 is going to be a busy year on this front. So first of all, in May of this year, the new European data protection law comes into force. It's called the General uh, Data Protection Regulation, or GDPR. It's going to replace existing rules dating from 1995. And so while it maintains and updates those rules, it also imposes new and stringent obligations on companies that collect and store and share personal data. And it gives new rights to people whose data is processed. And uh, also it's important to note that the GDPR will apply to any processing of data of people residing in the EU, also if that processing is done by companies that do not have a presence in the EU, such as an app developer, for example. Um, uh, Another important change is enforcement. Uh, The new uh, regulation gives European regulators powers uh, to uh, fine companies at a scale that uh, we have not seen so far. So today, uh, European data protection authorities can impose administrative fines uh, in the range of a few hundred thousand euros, but with GDPR, penalties for companies in breach can go as high as 4% of global turnover for the gravest type of infringements. Wow, that's a big Uh, jump. (laughs) It is, it is. And so uh, right now, both companies and regulators are working overtime uh, uh, to get ready for the new rules. Um, it's very important for companies to be able to demonstrate and document that they are putting in place all of the safeguards and, and, and processes uh, and structures uh, to be able to cope with the new rules. And of course, the regulators are uh, the regulators are uh, creating a new European Data Protection Board, uh, which will be set up to ensure that the rules are applied in a consistent way across the EU. That should be of, uh, of, uh, of interest to companies who, uh, if the system works, uh, will be able to rely on, on, on a consistent line of application, which has not necessarily been the case so far. Okay. 
And what else is going no, on? Uh, <laughs> so, uh, further on, on uh, privacy and data protection, uh, there's a new law on its way, in addition to the GDPR. So right now, legislators in the EU are working on a piece of legislation which will complement and particularize the GDPR in the field of electronic communications. It's going to succeed existing e-privacy rules from 2002. And the main intention of the new uh, e-privacy regulation is to apply the s similar rules to all kinds of electronic communications, uh, including uh, what's known as uh, OTT services, over-the-top services, so Skype and WhatsApp and other mm -hmm. internet-based messaging and, and communication services. Uh, the existing rules only cover traditional uh, telecom services. And so uh, the Commission published a draft in, in last year, around this time. Uh, European Parliament has amended it uh, uh, and finished its work in October 2017. And now member states are working uh, on a common position. So this work will take, uh, uh, we think, uh, uh, a good deal of the year. Mm. Uh, and uh, CDT participates in these discussions. Uh, uh, we uh, would like the outcome to be as effective as, as possible in terms of, of uh, protecting communications confidentiality. We're, we're pushing for rules, affirmative rules, uh, that allow or uh, recognize uh, the uh, right of providers and users to uh, apply uh, encryption uh, to their communications, for example. Right. We're also uh, working on finding good uh, rules on uh, uh, controlling the kinds of tracking practices in, for example, the ad tech industry uh, to the extent that those practices are causing uh, uh, people to lose uh, trust and confidence in, uh, in using online services. So there's, uh, there's, uh, this, this, these rules have potential uh, to uh, address that situation uh, in conjunction with the GDPR. Okay. Yeah. So, so I want what I so I wanted to talk now about uh, uh, law enforcement and encryption. Oh, uh, this yeah. will be brief. It's your show, yeah, and you can be as, as not brief as you want. <laughs> right, okay. So further, further in, the, in the area of data protection, uh, there is a lot of work going on in the law enforcement context. Um, so in the EU, security and law enforcement are big political priorities, and EU leaders are taking many initiatives to beef up law enforcement cooperation among member states. And in the tech policy space, two initiatives are particularly important. One is access to electronic evidence by law enforcement authorities. Mm. Uh, the the uh, European Commission is going to publish draft legislation that will enable law enforcement agencies from one EU member state to request data uh, from communications and cloud providers in other EU member states, and even uh, probably uh, from providers that are not based in Europe at all, but whose services are used by Europeans. Um, so the argument here is that traditional MLAT systems are too slow and, and inefficient for investigations to be effective. Um, I mean, MLATs being those treaties between countries that kind of govern correct. the request, yes. This is exactly right, Brian. And, um, 
And in fact, some of the issues in play here are the same uh, as in the uh, Microsoft uh, Island case that is uh, uh, that is before the U.S. Supreme Court right now, and where where CDT uh, filed an amicus brief uh, recently. So we'll be we'll be pushing for a strong privacy and procedural safeguards and court oversight, and we want to make sure that there are no conflicts of law with with either the U.S. or other jurisdictions. And then mm -hmm. I'll just finish uh, with uh, encryption. Um, this is an ongoing debate. There is uh, a lot of pressure from the law enforcement community and from some member state governments for legislation that uh, would enable them to access encrypted communications and data. Uh, so we push back on this uh, together with other groups and with the tech companies. Uh, and so far, the Commission has uh, concluded that it will not move towards backdoors or key escrow or general weakening, weakening of security. Uh, That's a good development. That's very good. Uh, it is indeed. It is indeed. Uh, and, and there is good recognition that uh, a high level of security is, uh, is essential for, uh, for the digital economy and society and for commerce and communications and so on. But at the same time, uh, uh, law enforcement uh, are going to strengthen their capabilities in terms of accessing devices and data that are encrypted. So there is going to be an ongoing discussion about uh, law enforcement hacking or government hacking sure. and the rules that should govern those practices. Great. So now to Laura. Sorry, I was premature in that. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Yes. So um, another of the biggest tech policy debates in Europe is in the field of online content moderation. Uh, politicians are particularly concerned about terrorist content, hate speech, uh, copyright infringement, and most recently, of course, the whole issue of uh, fake news. Um, this is obviously not only a debate that is taking place uh, in Europe, but it's barely the start of the year, and here we are seeing new initiatives. Uh, for example, there are plans in uh, pr uh, France to legislate to combat fake news. Mm. And more generally, there is the ongoing pressure from European legislators for um, Internet platforms to be more proactive um, in monitoring, filtering, and uh, taking down undesirable, possibly illegal content at a much, much uh, faster pace. Um, some legislators are even suggesting time frames of 120 minutes. Um, of course, this is um, impossible to assess in, in this um, unrealistic time frame what content is legal and what is illegal. Uh, but more importantly, um, this push for companies to act as de facto censors of online expression are a cause of great concern for us um, sure. due to the potential implications on free speech. Um, just an example, uh, the Commission's Voluntary Code of Conduct on hate speech incentivizes companies to take down more and more content, regardless of whether it is illegal. So um, generally, we find this a very dangerous approach. 
Yeah, no, it sounds dangerous. So let's let's go a little bit deeper on that too. I mean, you mentioned this a bit with like fake news, but certainly, you know, here in the U.S. and obviously in the EU as well, you know, tech companies, you know, kind of the the darlings of the past have been receiving a little bit of uh, or a lot more negative coverage. Um, do you think it's going to continue in 2018? And do you think there's going to be more policies like some of the ones that you just mentioned coming out because of that? Yes, uh, I think it's safe to say this trend of putting online platforms in the spotlight will definitely continue this year. And um, while there are real concerns about content online and on the use of social media, it is harder to work out good solutions to these problems. And um, we agree that with scale comes responsibility towards users and um, society at large. Uh, But in Europe, the issues that some initiatives have un- um, unintended consequences for free expression and access to, to information. Um, the most obvious example at the moment being the uh, German social media law, uh, also known as the NetzDG. Uh, this uh, law entered into force in October last year and is being implemented by platforms as of January, uh, 1st of January this year. Um, just for background information, the NetzDG applies to social media companies and other providers with over 2 million registered users in Germany ah, okay. that host third-party content. And it basically basically threatens them with fines of up to 50 million euro if they fail to remove obvi- what is known as obviously illegal speech within 24 hours of it being reported. Now, um, this is clearly creating a lot of pressure on these platforms to censor speech. And uh, to be on the safe side, these companies are likely to take down content that is perhaps offensive, but not necessarily illegal. Um, In fact, uh, there have already been examples at the beginning of the year uh, of satirical content uh, being taken down from social media platforms. And then um, another example of this type of legislation is the draft directive on copyright in the digital single market, DSM. Uh, This piece of legislation, if it would enter into force, would oblige internet intermediaries that host third-party content to use filtering technologies to monitor and prevent the upload of content that may infringe copyright. So overall, the commission really uh, wants to target uh, through their uh, legislation the largest content sharing uh, platforms such as YouTube, but an, an unintended consequence would be um, that it would affect just all about all types of uh, platforms, including um, SMEs. Wow. So, I mean, you know, in your hat as an advocate, what what would you tell politicians they should actually be doing here, uh, as opposed to these these kind of troubling approaches that we're seeing? Well, uh, for example, talking uh, about uh, filtering technology and uh, automated content analysis tools, there seems to be uh, a lack of understanding at technical level on what uh, this type of technology can or cannot do. Uh, Policymakers here seem to consider it as a silver silver bullet to remove undesirable content. Mm. But as our colleagues concluded last year in the paper Mixed Messages, uh, this type of technology has many uh, limitations. 
so companies can be, for one, can be more uh, transparent about how their uh, platforms handle content challenges and be open about the limitations of the technical tools um, that exist. Uh, we think that this would help policymakers understand that there's no one-size-fits-all solution. And um, in this respect, we're quite hopeful uh, in the whole fake news debate here in Europe because the Commission recently set up an expert group and is uh, requesting input from stakeholders across the board in a public consultation before deciding on any potential policy action. So we definitely encourage this type of multi-stakeholder discussion. Um, and then maybe finally um, a more comprehensive policy solution could be for the EU to produce guidance on notice and action under the existing e-commerce directive. This would maintain the principle of limited liability for intermediaries in that directive while making clear what actions the, inter um, the intermediaries should take and the transparency and appeal processes they should have in place. Um, actually, several leading members of the European Parliament have recently um, they suggested this way forward as an approach that would deal effectively with online content problems, but in a way that respects the fundamental right to free speech and the rule of law. So we are, of course, um, following the same line in, in, in that sense. And those would be some some ideas from our side. Well, I hope they're listening to you then. Those are great ideas. And that paper that you just referenced, Mixed Messages, uh, that looks into automated content moderation is available at cdt.org if people want to check it out. Um, how about I go back to Jens for this last question here. Jens, you know, in addition to all you and Laura have already talked about, what are some of the, the emerging or new issues that we might expect to pop this year that might not be on anyone's radar just yet? Well, <clears throat> the, um, the debate around uh, artificial intelligence, uh, machine learning and automation, robotics, etc., that debate is really picking up uh, this year. Uh, so politicians and, and uh, officials are asking questions about the impact of these uh, technolo technological developments uh, on, on people and on society in, in, in different ways. So the commission is working on a and sort of an overarching communication uh, sometime uh, in the first half of 2018 uh, to kind of frame its overall thinking uh, on the subject. Uh, there are many different uh, policy questions to be looked at, um, including how do you make sure that Europe keeps up with other regions on developing these technologies, such as, as China and the US, of course. Mm -hmm. How do you make sure that Europeans have the right skills to deploy the technologies and use them? Um, and how do we manage uh, the various uh, changes in the labor market that can be expected? Um, further, the, the Commission is looking into questions about liability for various types of uh, autonomous systems. Oh, wow. Um, one example is uh, self-driving self cars. Um, another is uh, um, the uh, liability and uh, uh, responsibilities associated with uh, the Internet of Things, uh, smart cities, etc. Who's responsible when a piece of software uh, results in uh, significant damage to people or property? Uh, 
these questions are not necessarily uh, clearly thought out at the moment. Uh, so the Commission is looking at the regulatory framework um, uh, to see whether uh, any sort of legislative uh, change is necessary. This is actually something that uh, our colleague uh, Benjamin Dean has been looking at um, in, in a recent paper that, uh, or in a forthcoming paper. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, it, it'll be a great paper, and that might be out as early as next week. Um, no, and these are tough, tough questions. Well, Jens and Laura, thank you so much for joining Tech Talk. Obviously, you have a very, very busy year ahead. Uh, keep up with the work, and it's always great to, to have such great colleagues on the other side of the Atlantic, and we'll see you. I'm going to do a shameless plug here. We'll see you in person in March for our wonderful annual event, Tech Prom. So people interested in coming to CDT's grand fundraising dinner, Another thing to do, you can meet Jens and Laura in person there. If that's not a draw, I don't know what is. <laughs> Thank you for joining Jens and Thank Laura. You very much, Brian. <laughs> Thank you. Looking forward. <laughs>